Good morning. Yeah. So good to have you here on this balmy day. Oh my goodness, it is so warm outside. Uh, I mean, it feels like it's seven. I just don't even, yeah, as a Georgia boy, seven, it just doesn't register. I'm not, yeah. Because um, I think anything below 32, it's cold. So can you actually tell the difference between 32 and seven? Okay, uh, that was just a, a quick test. I just wanted to see. Um, anyway, we're so glad that you're here, and those who are watching on at home and Zoom, uh, we're glad to be a part that you're a part of this. Uh, today, uh, we have a very special preacher. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't be here, so Mark Brooks is here. I've waited so long to do that. I have known Mark for about 14 years. Uh, he was an associate here 40 years ago, 50, I'm not really sure how long. You had hair when you were here. I'm going to get it back when he gets up here, so I might as well just start now. Anyway, Mark has been a, a, a good friend, and um, I just the, the thing that draws me to Mark is your, your compassion for people and your love for people. And... It is so good to have you and your family here. Um, so welcome on behalf of the church. And we're looking forward to your 10, 15-minute sermon. Um, I don't know. You, you said something about 30, 45 minutes. I'm not sure. I'm enjoying this way too much. Anyway, it's good to have all of you here. A um, couple of announcements. Ministry Council meeting uh, this Thursday at 6.30. Uh, and we will hold communion next Sunday. Uh, we were, Remember, we had to actually close for uh, communion when it was a little bit icy. So uh, communion will be next Sunday. And then our regular announcements that uh, are going on. Bible study tonight at 6.30. Coffee shop theology uh, Tuesday at 9, and then prayer meeting on Wednesdays at 6.30. Any other announcements that... Oh, she's not asking for any... Okay. Any other announcements? Then let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for this time that we can gather, that we can come to you and to praise you and to worship you. So Lord, guide us now so that everything that we do, we praise and honor you. In Christ's name, amen. Don't stand yet. <laughs> um, yeah. Today's, I'm sorry, the praise band isn't here today for you to hear. Mark, you got me. We're doing oldies today from the Purple Book, <laughs> which I want, had to point out to my grandson. This is the Purple Book. <laughs> he was asking me about it last week. I want to read a scripture before we sing, and it's from Romans 8, 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but when we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And um, we're going to sing a song about rejoicing today, but I like the comment that the author of Jesus Calling said, You have good reason to rejoice, beloved, because I will make everything, including you, new and gloriously perfect. He has made me glad. Let's stand and rejoice together. Jesus.
You may be seated as we come to this time of prayer. We want to keep um, you informed that Bill Smith is doing well uh, in rehab. He's in manor care. And um, Glory, he would want visitors, right? Sure. Sure, yeah. So if you're available and can spend an hour or two uh, with him, I'm just... I. Anyway, that, that is the good news, that uh, he's there, he's getting rehab, and so we're, we're hoping to see him soon, but uh, he was in good spirits on Friday, and so uh, keep Gloria uh, and Brandon in your prayers as well. Any other prayer concerns or praises, if, if you have, raise your hand. Okay, Claudia. I guess she had a stroke on Friday, and she's in the Hershey Med Center. Okay, Judy had a stroke. Yes. How how is she? How is she I doing? I would say, all right, but I don't know very much about it yet. I have to go up today. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're praying for healing for. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Any others? Up oh, over here, Joyce. A real good girlfriend of mine, Holly Deal, she had a stroke that affected her whole left side. And also, Marion Katzman, I don't know if you remember the older members of this church, her daughter also died. What, what, what was her name? The- Marion Katzman, her daughter, Wendy. Okay, so we're praying for Holly, uh, who had a stroke, and for Mary, whose daughter, Wendy, passed away. Okay. We'll keep them in prayer. Any others? Oh, Angela. It's my birthday. It's your birthday? And who else is? What's his birthday? And it's Pop-Pop's birthday. It's Pop-Pop's birthday, too. Well, you heard it, Bob's six? What? No, I actually know how old you are, because you're, um, I'll stop there. Uh, tomorrow's my daughter's birthday. Uh, she's going to be 30, and not really sure how that happened. Um, I'm too young to have a 30-year-old. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, happy birthday uh, to you guys. Um, any other prayer concerns? Then let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord the joy that we have coming into your presence, the joy that each time we come together, we praise you, and the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And so, Lord, we praise you. So many of our brothers and sisters in the Christian faith around the world are facing prosecutions, whether it's in Nepal or China or Afghanistan, Lord, we pray for your safety. But Lord, we all know that regardless, we have the hope and peace in you that helps us each and every day. Lord, what a, what a joy it is to know that when everything is finished on this earth, we still have new life, everlasting life, because you sent your son, 
not only to die for our sins, but to conquer death. And because of his love, your love, we are now children of yours. So Lord, guide us on this day that we follow. We follow you each day, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So Lord, we lift up those that are recovering in the hospital. Those who are recovering in rehab for our shut-ins. Lord, we lift up those that have lost loved ones. We pray for your peace and your mercy to surround them. And Lord, we thank you for birthdays, for anniversaries, for all the celebrations. And Lord, Now hear our prayers. And Lord, we do pray over Mark as he's going to come and lead us today. Lord, I ask your blessings upon him, upon his ministry, upon his family. Thank you for a friendship, an inspiration to all of us. Continue to guide him. And Lord, we lift up all of this to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. to see faces 
um, familiar faces, but I think it's more exciting to see faces we've never seen before. So thank you for your presence today, and uh, um, I want to thank Charles. Charles made me feel like a big hunk of meat back in May. Um, Back in May, it was officially announced at uh, our conference that I would be stepping out of congregational ministry and becoming one of two full-time chaplains at the Stone Ridge facility in Myerstown. And after that announcement, uh, I think we had a break time. Charles, you know how Charles is. He's sly and smooth. He just comes gliding up across the floor at Messiah College and goes, hey, how are you doing? I'd like you to come preach at Palmyra. I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that um, because supposedly I don't work on Sundays anymore. And uh, I go, yeah, give me your, your, your vacation schedule. And oh, no, no, no. I want to be there. And I knew right then that it was going to be an opportunity for him to put a big target on me. And uh, so I do appreciate that. It, it keeps us on our toes. And, uh, but uh, Charles is a, a wonderful man. We, we served for a number of years on the denominational Christian Ed Commission. And uh, he coming out of down south, his church, children's ministries, he was a big asset um, to that uh, opportunity that we had as we served together uh, for a number of years in that capacity. Um, but I do want to say thank you. I want to say hello. Uh, as we were getting ready to embark, we're, I'm from southern Schuylkill County, about a half hour north of uh, Reading. So it's about a 45, 50 minute drive for us to get here. And as we're waiting, getting ready to come, I said, you know, the last time we were here as a family, um, my son Ryan was three and our daughter Sarah was five. That would have been in 02. This year is 20 years ago uh, that we, we left and, and embarked uh, for the ministry up there. And uh, Angela there, she was only that small and uh, just running around the church yelling and screaming. And, uh, but um, as, uh, it's just been a blessing. Uh, our, my wife has been teaching at Blue Mountain School District for over 15 years. She's uh, a specialist there. And uh, our daughter, Sarah, 25, um, is a speech pathology. And uh, she's working at a care facility just east of Gettysburg, lives in Mechanicsburg at the moment. Um, our son, Ryan, 23, uh, got out of the Air Force effectively separated July 1st after serving four years. Um, He is now attending Schuylkill Penn State campus in their four-year nursing program. So this is his second semester there. And uh, of course, Sarah's companion, John, is along with us. Um, He uh, is going through his clinical rotations and come August, he'll officially be a PA. And uh, so we're very uh, fortunate to have him part of our family as well. Um, So greetings. Thank you. Uh, I run into some of you guys every once in a while over the last number of years, um, but it is a blessing to be here today. I want to begin with a a short story, if I could. Um, There was a man who was walking across the road, and he was hit by a car, and uh, the impact knocked him on his head, which caused him to be in a coma for a number of days and before he finally regained consciousness. When he opened his eyes, his loving wife was there beside him, holding his hand, and he said, 
You know, Judy, you've always been right by my side. When I was a struggling college student, I failed again and again, just like Charles. And I, but you were always there with me, encouraging me to keep on trying. He continued. And then, when I got out of school and went for all my interviews and failed to get any of the jobs, again, just like Charles, you stayed right there with me, cutting out more classifieds to allow me to check on and see what direction I could go. And then I started to work at this really little firm, and I finally got a chance to handle a big contract, but I blew it because of one little mistake. And yet you were there beside me all the way. Then I finally got another job after being laid off for quite some time. But I never seemed to be promoted, and my hard work was never recognized. And so I remained in the same position from the day I joined the company until now. And through it all, you were right beside me all the way. Of course, her eyes are filling up with tears as she listened, and he continued, and now... I've been in this accident, and when I woke up, you're the first person I see. There's something I'd really like to say to you. Judy, I think you're just plain bad luck. <laughs> that was not at all what she was expecting to hear. And I wonder if that's how we treat God. I wonder if that's what God hears from us. He walks with us through our hardships and our darkest valleys, through the troubles and the tribulations and the difficult times. And instead of thanking Him for being there with us, we turn our back, we raise our fists, we say or think things such as, Why are you putting me through this? Or, Don't you care about me, God? When our lives are going well, we're happy, we're strong, our faith and spiritual experience is moving along quite smoothly. However, when we go through suffering, when we go through trials and hardships, pain and persecution, our faith and our spiritual experience often falter. They weaken or perhaps even disappear one person who seemed to stay on course despite the challenges, the chaos, the oppression in their life, an individual who did not have their faith disappear was the Apostle Paul, a devoted believer, a, a very committed servant and a dedicated child of God who cultivated life from hardship throughout his life. It is through Paul's life we see how God uses difficult seasons. And again, that's our focus today is how God uses difficult seasons. Because Paul had built a spiritual foundation over time, there was an openness for transformation within his life. It's very evident through the letters he wrote to the churches he helped establish throughout the ancient Roman world that Paul experienced incremental growth 
in his spiritual life, a slow, steady movement in the right direction, a direction toward God in the midst of the difficult seasons that he often found his life going through. Once Paul took the leap of faith of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of his life, the Holy Spirit directed, guided, taught, and counseled him inch by inch, experience by experience, challenge by challenge, and circumstance by circumstance. One of these letters where we have the second letter of to the believers of Corinth reveals how Paul tried to move the Corinthian church toward maturity and stability. An area of highlight in this letter was the importance and value of reconciliation. That's a, that's a main theme that runs through that particular letter, particularly God's desire for reconciliation to those open to the gospel message. Another area Paul touched upon in this letter was the defense of his apostleship, the defense of his apostleship. He was dealing with challenges and struggles created by theological as well as lifestyle differences. Paul believed by, that Paul lived by versus those around him that would not affirm who Paul was and who, who Paul represented. We're going to pick up this particular defense in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And for those of you that want to use your pew Bible, it's on page 1,797. And we're going to be spending a lot of time in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Paul has just highlighted the difference between the old and the New Testament, the Old and the New Testament. And I'm sorry, uh, Charles is looking in his Bible, and he doesn't realize he has a different Bible than the Pew Bible, and he's looking, and he can't find that page, so sorry about that. Um, So he states in chapter 3, verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Those who accepted Jesus as Lord are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. So that's where we're at. That's what the thought that we're going to build upon. And we're going to be, I'm going to be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I know reading that whole chapter is often longer than Charles's messages. But I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot See the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants 
for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, may his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We also carry around us in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death For Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself and all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is unseen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that is the word of God that we have for us today. At the beginning of this passage, Paul shares the importance of sharing the light of Christ, making it clear he is sharing the ministry of the Spirit, life, and righteousness. Paul encourages those reflecting upon these words not to lose heart. Do not become weary, tired, or wallow in despair when others try to tear you down for what you believe. The reality, Paul, while under attack, claims he is a servant for Jesus' sake. God has lent Paul to serve others on Jesus' behalf. By approaching life like Paul, we become servants to the people, recognizing the importance of preaching Christ, not self Paul affirms because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he has come to minister, serve, and proclaim Jesus the Christ. Do not forget, God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For Paul, his message projects the power of God revealed in the resurrection. The next several verses in chapter 4 of this passage reveal Paul subject to the power of God. Paul subject 
to the power of God. The image Paul uses to explain the power of God in verse 7 of our passage is based on an item very plentiful during this time. And that would be a clay jar or a clay pot. Jars of clay were only readily available. They were very cheap and they were actually disposable, just like the bags of groceries uh, that are placed in every time we go to Redner's or Giant or the Weiss store. Paul emphasizes attention is not to be given to these very perishable uh, containers, but the priceless contents that are in the containers, just like our groceries. We could care less about the plastic bags or the paper bags. It's just getting those contacts, protecting them, getting them back to our home. It's the ability to allow others to witness that precious treasure of Christ in us, even when things are not going well. God wants to use us. He wants people to see what is inside these broken vessels and containers. As believers, we face trials, but we must remember God uses trials to strengthen his people. God uses trials to strengthen his people. God's glory is manifested through broken vessels, through people who endure troubles by relying on his power. Highlighted in verses 8 and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Even at the end of our ropes, God never abandons us, as emphasized by an author and a pastor named Jeff Mannion, the very experience we wish to avoid can grow the very crop we desperately need. The land we least desire may produce the fruit we most desire. There once was a Holocaust survivor, and they gathered together to share their experiences. One man described losing every member of his family to the Nazis, describing how he saw death every day in the concentration camps, sharing how he used to pinch his cheats to make it look like they had color. Why? The Nazis would take those who looked weak, take them aside, and shoot them. As he shared, he was asked how difficult it was to believe in God during these times. He said he lost his faith. He just could not imagine a God who would stand by and let this type of evil continue day after day after day. There are so many challenging, defeating, and difficult situations I, Mark Brooks, have not experienced. Yet many around me have. It's in times like these, counseling, encouraging, supporting these individuals, going through unrelatable crises, I can at some level take the word picture of Paul, this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God 
and not from us. I can urge these challenging disciples to keep their faith like Moses, whose life was not a cakewalk, or David, whose life experiences swung like a giant pendulum from good to bad to worse to better, or like Paul, who we're focusing at today, who after entering relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, continued to grow and mature spiritually, no matter how challenging and defeating his situation appeared to be. The reality, God is always at work developing us. God is always at work developing us, molding us, making us more like Him. Our goal is to trust God on the journey no matter how challenging it appears, to have a responsive heart allowing God to work, to respond in a redemptive way representing the living God. Presented in verse 11 of our passage, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Paul was the example of the servant we should strive to be. An honored vessel allowing the Lord of glory to shine through his feeble and often threatened life. Paul's thoughts and words inspired by the Spirit of God promote the life of the body, supporting the body of Christ. Writing to the church in Corinth, He boldly, Paul boldly proclaims Christ despite the opposition he was constantly receiving. Paul quotes from Psalm 116 verse 10, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Paul was willing to risk his life sharing the gospel to others. He understood his suffering brought good allowing Paul to focus not on pain, but the ultimate goal, assurance of eternal life. Paul boldly proclaims to those of the Corinthian church, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. When the body is unified around the death and resurrection of Jesus, faith becomes real. The stretching and molding that take place within the body produce a deeper trust in God and an ability to respond in obedience. As this passage concludes, Paul emphasizes suffering of the present prepares for the future. Suffering for the present prepares for the future. Paul ends in verse 16 where he began, do not lose heart. Despite the rejection he experiences, the suffering he must endure, and the death he faces, Paul still does not lose heart. Paul sees purpose in suffering, troubles as opportunities. He, was a prop, he has a pro- proper focus on a glorious future 
with the Christ that will empower to endure any kind of trouble. Paul, not only in the first century church, but also for us here in the 21st century, stresses our reason of living is radically different from that offered by the culture around us. Despite the decline and deficiencies of our outer bodies, Charles is very much wasting away. The Spirit is being renewed and revitalized by the power of God in our inner bodies. And Charles is definitely alive with Christ in his life. It is seeing beyond the visible and the tangible to eternal realities of that world where God's glory shines in the person of Christ. As the last verse of our passage projects, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Suffering of the present time is preparing for the future. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I'd like to close with a poem written by Beulah Cornwall. And it's entitled, The Vessel God Uses. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many, which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. The master passed on with no word at all. He looked at a silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master. I'll pour out your wine and I'll be at your table whenever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Hear, hear, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure I'll be happy in your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood. Polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I'll mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf. 
nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthy vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day, spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do, just pour out to others as I pour into you. To God be the glory even during the difficult seasons of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for a new day that you have given to us. And often it's a day that already has been filled with challenge, with trials, with life that's going uphill. Father, may we see these as opportunities. May we still remain joyful, not because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but joyful that you are present, that you are guiding, that you are alive and you want to use us. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, for your mercy. And it's your son's name that we pray. Amen.
thank Mark and Cindy and the family for coming. And Mark, thank you for a time to beat uh, for the sermon next week. So I'll try to beat your time. Just kidding. Anyway, thank you so much. So let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for this time. And thank you for caring about us and what's inside. Strengthen us this day. And regardless of what the trials may come, that we will stay faithful and look to you in all things, giving you glory and praising you forever. In Christ's name, amen.